This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. Free speech lives here. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. WPHT HD. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia. A radio.com station. Now, from the Malamut and Associates Law Studios, it's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes, Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right, good morning. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I am fabulous, Mark. How are you? I'm very, very, very good today. Uh, and we're excited here to talk to you every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. here on 1210. If you want to ask us a question about commercial, mortgages, residential, anything we can help you with, business, give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153. And we're here to keep you informed every week, and we hope you tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. And you can listen to this show and all the past shows at our website, goodnewsinrealestate.com, or at WPHT's website also. And we hope you all had a really nice Thanksgiving, and everybody's healthy. So, Deanne, what are we talking about today? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Right. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. And go topic, too. We also have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. A little long, but interesting. Okay. Our mortgage mom topic, which is? Go ahead. You want me to say it? (laughs) Well, I'm going to see if you get it right. I got it right. New 2021 loan limits. Very good. By county. (laughs) <laughs> oh, God. And Mark, we also have um, our questions and answers segment. Yes. How much earnest money should be requested from a potential buyer with a contract? Good question. Next one is, can you start the mortgage process before two years out of bankruptcy? Next one is, should you accept an overpriced listing? The next question is, we bought a house from the seller and is carrying the note for five years. Now we want to refinance. What should we do? There's a couple options there. Yep. The next question is, is a subletter who didn't sign the lease entitled to the security deposit if they paid half and the lessee paid half? That's a common one. (laughs) (laughs) They had a fight and I'm leaving. Right? (laughs) Mark, our topic of the day is it's not always clear when a contract can be terminated. Part two. Right. We talked a little bit about this, but it's complicated. So we're going to finish it up today. All right, but first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, perseverance is not a long race. It is many short races, one after another. So, 
That's it's always cool. the long distance race. It's not a sprint. That's right. Right. So where are we at? Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. And I'm telling you, I'm getting a lot of calls, a lot of students. Uh, the housing market is hot, hot, hot. And But nobody knows about it because we can't get everybody, 1.5 million people. Actually, it's 6.2 million people in Philly metro media market to listen to our show every Sunday. We're working media, on it. We're working on it. We are working on it, but media they're, they're, they don't give any detail on the housing market it is the best time to buy ever and it's probably the best time to sell ever so we got to celebrate these strong numbers and keep in mind a couple points first expect the data to moderate so don't freak out when you see little rates or cool downs 2021 is going to be banging normal trends will eventually materialize you'll be told that moderations indicate cracks in the housing market don't buy into the doom and gloom. And they're already out there, the doom and glooms, the bubble. I remember all this stuff before. And <laughs> we've been through many bubbles. These are a few indicators to track to beware of the doom and gloom housing headlines. Second, if the next existing home sales report misses expectations, don't worry about it. Don't listen. Remember, lower inventory tends to go with higher sales. Higher sales means folks are buying homes. Therefore, if you're following along here, there must be homes to buy. Even though the inventory is low, there are houses to buy. Unsold inventory sits at an all-time low. We've been on the air 11 years. This is like our 545th show. I figured it out. We Did started you figure a, it out? We, figured, we started 11-11-2009. Okay. That's how long we've been on the radio. I looked at our first show. So anyway... We're down to a two and a half month supply. A normal market is a six month supply. About a year ago, we were at a 14 year low. Now we're at an all time low of inventory. That's houses actively for sale. So I think, and I blame this on the real estate agents, and I don't have no problem saying it, and they can call me if they want. If they'd all <laughs> stay in touch with their database, their people they know, and talk to them three, four times a year and tell them what's happening. There will be a lot more inventory on the market, but they don't. It's the number one mistake real estate agents make in the real estate market. They don't stay in touch with their past clients and their friends and family. And the biggest and, and most buyers and sellers majority never use the same agent twice. And the number one reason is they never heard from them again. They might have got a calendar. Like I got a calendar yesterday from my insurance guy. Did you? It was real, yeah. And I flipped through the pictures and I was like, yeah, that's real nice. And I threw in a trash can. Because what am I going to do with a calendar? I get a Galaxy S8. So what am I going to do with a calendar? I'm going to write it on a calendar, then put it in my phone and add to my 80%. You know, you're so, so high tech. Yeah, I am high tech. But like all the junk, I'm getting postcards and this and that. And you get overwhelmed. But a phone call and I, somebody talks to me, then I know what's happening. And then the other thing, you have to be prepared. If you're going to be with this tight inventory, 40% of Philly rents. Now, that went up from 30, 38% to 40% in the middle of like end of last year, I guess it was. So now we're up to 40%. That's like a couple hundred thousand units. Probably, probably I wouldn't say half, but maybe a third of that group could buy 
if they just had a plan, if they talked to Deanne, the mortgage mom, and said, listen, I want to buy, and she ran their credit, and even if they had a couple dings, they, you have a plan, and then you figure it out, and then eventually down the road, you buy a house, and you're no longer a renter, because the average rent for a one-bedroom apartment citywide in Philadelphia is now $1,500. $1,500 a month, you could buy a $250,000 house somewhere in the yeah. Northeast or whatever, four-bedroom probably. Yeah, that's and, insane. And, and probably be more risk, realistically around 1100 a month, right? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I, I did a couple pre-approvals um, over the weekend, and people were paying rent $1,340, $1,550. I mean, that's a major mortgage payment. And really? they've been there. This one woman has been there for eight years. I had eight a years. I had a guy. He sold his duplex. His tenant was there twenty-two years. Wow. She paid for the house. Wow. So tell us about the rates. All right, Mark. So your thirty-year fixed on a conventional rate, depending on credit score and equity in the property, can be anywhere from two point five percent to two point six two five percent. Again, depending on credit score. 15-year, 2.625. Your 30-year FHA is 2.75. And your VA loan, same. Anywhere from 2.75 to 2.875. Again, the rates are amazing. Pull out your mortgage statement. Take Whip a look it out. At, take a look at the interest rate. If it's higher than 3.5%, give me a call at 609 605 7153. And I remember like a few months ago, probably six months or longer ago, we were saying if it's over five, now we're down, you're saying three, over three something. Well, people that I refinanced six, eight months ago, where they were at three and a quarter, three and a half percent are coming back to me now to get into the twos. So it's it's awesome. I know. I want to be in the twos. Mr. Devlin. All right. All right. We know. All right. Know. <laughs> so there are some great rates. So you are listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We will be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more after the break and this message from Debt-Free Living. Learn more at wehatedebt.com. Hi, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we are up to your funny story. I got one for you. Now, this one, Deanne, you got to visualize. You got to visualize this one. Okay. This is about two duck hunters that have a very bad day. So him and his friend go duck hunting in the winter. And this is out like in Minnesota uh, where the lakes are big and they're frozen and they're very thick and you can drive on them. So these two guys go out on the lake with their guns, their dog, and their brand new truck. And they drive out onto the lake and they're going to get ready and... You know, it's a ducks need a place to land. So they want to make a hole in the ice. And you can't just like drill a hole like ice fishing. You got to make it like a bigger hole so the ducks can fly and land on the water. And you put the decoys, right? So in order to make a hole big enough like that, you know, it takes a little more effort. So out of the back of the nav- brand new navigator comes a big stick of dynamite with a 40 second fuse on it. So these two rocket scientists take into consideration that they want to place this stick of dynamite on the ice on a location far from where they're standing at the new truck. 
and they don't want to take a risk of slipping on the ice as they run away from the dynamite. It has a 40-second fuse and possibly go up in smoke with the blast. So they light the 40-second fuse, and they throw the dynamite as far away as they can. Well, remember a couple sentences back when I mentioned the vehicle and the guns and the dog. Oh, Let's God. talk about the dog. It's a very highly trained Labrador <laughs> retriever used for retrieving, especially when a well-trained retrieving retriever things are thrown. They like to go get them and bring them back to the owner. So you guessed it. The dog takes off at a high rate of doggy speed across the ice, catches the six dynamite just as it hits the ice, turns around. The two men start yelling and screaming and waving their arms, wondering what to do. The dog thinks they're cheering him on, so he starts running faster. One of the guys grabs the shotgun and shoots above the dog because he's only loaded with birdshot for the ducks, hardly big enough to hurt the dog. The dog like stops for a moment, slightly confused, but continues on. So he takes another shot above the dog. Now the dog like gets a little confused and he's like, but he's, he gets a little terrified thinking these two geniuses have gone insane. So he takes off to find cover and he runs under the truck. So the men continue to run and yell and run away. So the exhaust pipe, when the truck's still hot because they just got there, dog touches the exhaust pipe, yelps, drops the dynamite and takes off after the running master. Boom. Dynamite goes up, truck's blown to bits, sinks to the bottom of the lake, very large hole, leaving these two idiots standing there with, like, I can't believe this just happened, look on their face. The insurance company says that the sinking vehicle in the lake, by using illegal explosive, is not covered. So he had still yet to make the first $560 a month payment on the new truck. Oh, my so God. So if you thought your day wasn't going well, think about these two rocket scientists. <laughs> Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> I could visualize that whole thing. I know you could. Uh, for some reason, I feel like that might have happened at the lake. I think that might have happened somewhere. <laughs> if you have a funny story you'd like to hear on our show, send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501. All right. And so now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment. And her segment today is the new 2021 Loan Limits. Yeah, this is pretty exciting, Mark. Um, we've been waiting for this for a while. So when we say the new Loan Limits, we're meaning the Fannie and Freddie Loan Limits, which is your conventional financing. These are the government guys here to help, correct? <laughs> so they just released their 2021 Loan Limit, and it's a very nice increase. Um, the conforming loan limits for mortgages that are going to be acquired by Fannie and Freddie Mac in right. 2021. And in most of the U.S., the maximum conforming loan limit right now is $510,400. Right. Here it's we going. Go. And that's for a, <laughs> it's for a one unit property. And the, the new loan limit is going to go to $548,250. You know, I missed this meeting. I still didn't get the call. How come I never get invited to these meetings? I don't know. But for the areas in which 115% of the local median home value exceeds the base limit, the max loan limit will be higher than the base loan limit. So what does that mean? That's a great question. I don't know, but so, I'm smiling already. <laughs> <laughs> so for instance, if you look at, let's say, in New Jersey, we're going to look at Atlantic County. We're going to look at um, Burlington County, Camden County, 
Cumberland County. That's a good um, I, I said Camden, right? <laughs> and then we're going to also go to uh, Cumberland, Gloucester. All of those loan limits are 548250 Now, if we go a little bit higher up on I think the Cumberland turnpike, County should be a little higher. Well, <laughs> you would. Yeah, so, of course. <laughs> so if you look at Bergen County... Right, Bergen County, the loan limit is eight hundred and twenty-two thousand three hundred and seventy-five. I That's think Cumberland huge. County should have that. Same thing with Essex County. Same thing with Hudson County, Hunterdon County. Now Mercer County, which is Princeton area, that's going to stay at your five hundred and forty-eight thousand. But your Monmouth, Monmouth, Morris, Ocean, Passaic, Salem—they're all increasing to eight hundred and twenty-two thousand. Mark, that means that you can put down a you could put down five percent. In some areas, you could put down three percent and have a loan that high. That's right. So, and you know what? An important point right there, though. People with money that can afford an eight hundred thousand dollar house, and if they don't have a good agent, they'll they're the ones that'll say they're going to put twenty percent. Exactly. What's twenty percent of eight hundred thousand? It's one hundred sixty thousand. So why would you put 160 grand of your money, tie it up, the way I look at it, I'd buy something else that helps pay that. Absolutely. And I would give that advice. A lot of agents wouldn't give that advice. Especially if you're buying a house of that size, you're probably going to have a really good um, credit score, you know, in the 700s, etc. So what's going to happen is that your interest rate is going to be extremely low. And a lot of times, instead of... Maybe put 5%, maybe put 10% down, Mark, and pay that single premium like we talk about, right? That's right. You pay that mortgage insurance up front because everybody puts 20% down to get rid of the mortgage insurance, and you can do that without putting 20% down. Yeah, and you're breaking the golden rule of OPM. OPM, that's right. people's money. That's Why exactly right. Why tie up your cash? Yeah. Make your cash work for you. So the result of this, Mark, is generally because of the rising home values and the increase in the base, the baseline loan limit. So it's really a great opportunity to be able to get into a home, not have to put, get into what you call your jumbo rates, where some people are doing 80, 20, 90, 10. I mean, this is a conventional loan with anywhere from 3 to 5% down. You can get seller assist on this deal, too. You can get a seller assist on this. And also... Yeah. Also, get rid of the mortgage insurance for way less than $160,000. What's Philly County? Philly's going to be your five hundred, your five hundred and forty-eight thousand two hundred fifty. And how many counties are there in the United States? Tell us, Mark. How many counties are there? <laughs> Thirty-one hundred. There you go. And, and have you counted them all? No, but I, every time you bring this up, I never get invited <laughs> to these meetings, and and they do these numbers by county, which is bizarre. I can see by state, but I to actually down to the county. How many counties are in Pennsylvania? I don't know. Sixty-seven. Okay. So it's like it's crazy. Anyway, but if that was that was really good, and the numbers, how, what were the numbers like eleven years ago? Oh, I mean, they were in the 300s. They were probably like in the, I'm going to say 400. I remember 405, 100, because everybody would say, why is it 100? Where did that even come from? It's bizarre. It's such a great market and a great time to buy. And that, was a good, that was a good segment. 
Thanks, Mark. And it's crazy because your FHA loan limit is three hundred and seventy nine thousand eight hundred. We need wow. that to increase a little bit to get more to get more people well, if they in the invite market. Me there. to the meetings, I could fight for us, but I never get invited. I don't. <laughs> All get right. It. I'll All try right. to get you invited. So coming up next is our question and answer segment. All right. That was very good. All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. All right, welcome back to Good News from Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHTA. All positive, all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we're up to our question and answer segment. All right. And the first question is, how much earnest money should be requested from a potential buyer with a contract? So this is the what they want written, the, the check written with the contract. Hey, there you say I, I this all the myths, the twenty percent down myth, all the other myths out there. There used to be a myth. That, remember the ten percent? You should put ten percent down, yep. write the check for ten percent. This is if you're got a, if you got a, I'll give you an example. If you got a really great buyer, it's got a big job, eight eight fifty credit score, perfect. Does it matter how much money he puts down? He no. gets pre approved with you? No. It has no bearing on this deal. He's he don't have to put any money down. In fact, legally, so the public knows, you don't have to put any money down. The contract enough is enough legally. It's actually more tradition that people write a check for a few grand and and they say, Well, we don't have no skin in the game. Yeah, well <laughs> that's like a furry like they're like just old things that agents do over and over again. Right. It's the old it, school It depends. Way. Like now, if you have a loan and there's some requirement, and but you don't require a buyer to write a check for two thousand or five thousand or ten thousand, do you? I don't require a buyer to have any earnest money deposit. A That's lot right. of times, because it, it's it's the loan. To you, right. it's it's he has to have that much in his skin in the game on the actual loan. Well, and, and also five percent, whatever. Right, that's their down payment. But to go right. along with the contract, no. no. And I think they just think that you know, if for some reason that the buyer backs out of the deal or the deal falls apart, that the seller's automatically going to be able to keep that money. Which we're and they talk don't about understand in today's that. topic of the day. Okay, which is a lot of myth. Right, but usually. I don't worry about it. I, I, I tell the other agent, my buyer, and I gave him a buyer's financial. My buyer's totally pre-approved with Deanne. We're good to go. It's just a matter of getting through the home inspection and appraisal. This is not a, we're, it doesn't matter what my check's for. So right. a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, one of three hundred thousand dollars, that's enough for me. I don't care. Now, if it's a shaky buyer, maybe I might want them to put more money in the bank, you know, but. A lot of it's just myth. It is. Technically, the contract is enough. What's the next one? The next question is, can you start the mortgage process before two years out of bankruptcy? And the answer to that so is they no. they had There's, a bankruptcy for seven years and they've been out of it for two? No, they had a they had a bankruptcy. I think what the, that, suppo- that question is supposed to mean is a Chapter 7 bankruptcy oh, chapter seven bankruptcy right i think that's the one that they're actually um talking about all right but, so then go ahead 
Yeah, there's really no reason to start that process because you really want to make sure that in that time period that you're establishing your credit. I mean, I'll be happy to review your credit and tell you what you need to do. But as far as collecting all your docs and whatnot, you really need to be three days. I'm sorry, three days. That would be nice, right? You, there's certain time limits depending on if you're going to be um, going conventional, you're going to go FHA, you're going to be VA. It's going to depend on exactly what chapter you're in and what type of loan you're going to do. Um, well, for, can you get gen, give us a general idea, like F and FHA and a bankruptcy, how many years? A bankruptcy? So if you're going to have, <laughs> sorry, if you're going <laughs> to, if you're going to have um, a chapter 13, so right. it's basically going to be one year from the time of you're in that actual bankruptcy, right? And mm -hmm. you just have to get a letter from the trustee stating if you're going to do a chapter seven and you're looking to get an FHA loan, it's going to be two years from the date of the discharge. All right. So depending on how long you're in that bankruptcy, once that's discharged, two years from that date is when you can start. You can start. If you're going to be conventional, then it's going to be four years from the date of discharge. And on your VA loan, it's going to be two years from the date of the discharge. I guess so when no they say out of bankruptcy, why one's two, one's four? Because you missed that meeting when they came up I with the guidelines. That. Well, I figured that was, <laughs> this, that was the same meeting when they were talking about raising them values, I guess. Right. <laughs> All right, right. What's the next one? The next question is, should you accept an overpriced listing? This is from an agent, I guess. Uh, so an agent goes into a house and he talks to the sellers and the house is worth 200000 Let's keep it around numbers. So the house is worth 200000 But this guy went and put a bar, Eagle's Bar in, and whatever he did. And now all of a sudden he figures his house worth, you know, two eighty. That's not a good heat. analogy today, Mark. Yeah, well, all right. They made some improvements. They made some overpriced, think of something that wouldn't help. They put a jacuzzi in the basement, in, in some in the basement or something. Right. They did something. They spent a lot of money, and now they want to recoup that money. So they want to add eighty thousand to a two hundred thousand dollar listing. Now, if I'm the listing agent, and I say to him, "We've had this question before," and I say to him, "Well, you know, realistically, this has to appraise, and the appraiser might not take that into consideration to add value." So did you enjoy yourself while you were here? <laughs> We've had this discussion a few times over 11 years. Did you have fun? Because you're not, probably not going to get all that money back. So if they're arrogant, if and I've had over my career some that got a little arrogant, then I said, you know what? Maybe I'm not the agent for you. And But if you have any questions, I will surely answer your questions and give any help I can do. But I'm not going to take your listing like this because it's not what do you want me to do take your listing and keep coming back every couple of weeks and try to whittle you down close to the price and be realistic with them tell them the truth so agents do it i try to not do it i'd rather i think you price it right it shows right you sell move on correct what's next all right speaking of moving on question number four we bought a house from the seller and he is carrying the note for five years. Now we want to refinance it. What should we do? 
call you me should in. Give me a call. Yeah, that's not a problem. I mean, if the seller was carrying the note, it's just going to be handled just like a regular refinance. So it's going to be a cash out refinance because you're going to pay the seller back the money that's owed. Right. Um, and you just need to go through the regular refinance, title insurance, collecting all your documents. Um, give me a call. I'm, I'll walk you through I'm it. looking at one myself right now where I'm, I'm, I want to buy it and I'm, I'm going to ask the buyer, the seller to hold the note. And then when the first time I mentioned it, they went, what? Like, I said, yeah, you'll be the bank. And I, I had a took a little time for me to explain it to him but then i said but you're going to be collecting your nice steady income every month and i'll right. pay you and then eventually i'll buy you out there what's you go. the last one the last one is a subletter who didn't sign the lease is he entitled to the security deposit if they paid half and the lessee paid half this one happens a lot this is like a couple get together not married move in to an apartment put money down they're both paying half of the rent and then they have a fight, one splits, uh, whatever the scenario, boyfriend, girlfriend, two friends, and they put down three months, and the average, uh, three months in Philly, average rent for a one bedroom in three in Philly, 1500 bucks. Yep. So three months of rent, they had to put down three months, they didn't mess the place up, they get it all back. Who signed the lease? Now, were they even allowed to sublet? Now, one might have been paying on the rent and didn't even know they had no legal rights whatsoever because the lease was in the other person's the name, lessee's right? name and right. they weren't on the lease. So technically, the lessee, the one, could take all the money and not give the other one anything. So it can get messy. So you want to be careful right. what you sign. Exactly. All right. All right, Mark. So coming up next is going to be our topic of the day. It's not always clear when a contract can be terminated. Part two. Yeah, that went fast today. All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We will be great. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. All positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we're up to our topic of the day, and it's not always clear when a contract can be terminated. I'm telling Part you, the show, the show just seems like it's going fast today. I don't know why. So anyway... It's the coffee we you're missed drinking. because we're away, but we started this, and it's not always clear when a contract can be term, terminated. Everybody thinks, you know, they write up a deal, they write a check, and when earlier we had a question about this, how much money should you put on that that the deposit down the earnest money deposit, uh, the earnest right. money deposit and you know so somebody writes a check for five grand and then they get into the deal then the home inspection starts and the appraisal and things can go wrong there could be lots of problems with the home appraisal the buyer and sellers just don't hit it off they don't like one another uh, it, it doesn't appraise all kinds of issues can come up and then anyway this thing explodes and so everybody thinks that they can just like you know, walk away. Like the sellers think, I'm just keeping their money and I'm selling my house to somebody else. And the buyer's thinking, I'm getting my money back and I'm going to go look for another house. It's not that cut and dry. So 
we talked a little bit about it last time and there's a, and that's the usual myth right there time is of the essence of this whole thing everything there's a clock ticking on everything in this contract so then let's just jump ahead to the point where everybody's really ticked off and now they're talking <laughs> lawyers and everything else and you try to calm people down now most of the contracts and this is where i think i left off have in a contract most of them have automatic mediation so before you can go hire a lawyer and sue you already agreed to mediate and then and now they're their agent probably mentioned this, but never really got into any detail, and now explains this whole mediation page, which is in the contract, but nobody ever reads them. Half of the agents don't even read them. And it's a long description of how mediation works. You got to hire a mediator. Everybody's got to agree who that guy is or that girl is, that mediator, when it is, where it is. Everybody gets a couple continuances, and then you finally get in front of this mediator it's like going in a car accident with a mediation, somebody that knows nothing about anything, and they're going to give their opinion, and you tell both sides of the stories, and then if you don't like your result, then you can go to court. Now, what happens with some people, they hire a lawyer, and the lawyer says, ah, don't worry about that mediation, give me the, the magic number is how much for a lawyer? Two fifty an hour? $2,000. They, okay. they all want $2,000, and then they'll look into it. So you gave this check, this lawyer $2,000, and then he filed, and you waited for him to get you to court. Then you finally got to court, and the judge said, wait a minute, you guys agreed to mediate, so go mediate. And the lawyers go, yeah, yeah, we're going to have to do that. So then you hire, and mediation is going to cost both sides about 1500 bucks. And then there's another $1,500 out the window. So then you go through this whole mediation thing. And if it doesn't come out to a conclusion that you want, then you can go back to the judge and, and have him make a decision after he hears the whole thing. Now, the smart thing to do is try to nip this all in the bud. And when, during, when everybody's ticked, I leave everybody sit. And then I try to get the parties back together and try to talk about it and try to come to some resolution. Now, to make this quick, say somebody put five grand down and the buyer screwed up and the buyer just changed their mind, got cold feet, buyer's remorse, wanted out. That buyer screwed up. And if it's my buyer and I can't convince them that they're screwing up, I said, you know, you did screw up here. And... The only way the money comes back to the buyer is both parties have to sign a release of this contract. If they don't sign a release of this contract, in reality, now agents will tell you different, but by law, that house can't be sold because it's still under contract. There's a contract pending until everybody signs a release on both sides saying that this contract ends. And in that release, it says who gets the money. So I've, do I've done this in the past with buyers that screwed up. I said, you know what? You did cost them some headaches. How about, you know, you put five grand down. Why don't we offer them $1,000 and let us out? And then we'll go find another house and they can sell theirs. And split the baby and avoid a lot of problems. But jumping right to court, and a lot of times it'll get thrown back to mediation. So it's not as simple as people think it's amazing how little the public knows about real estate and until they get involved with a deal and taking the advice they take from family and friends and and not to be at mouth agents but 
a lot of the agents are not that great at some of this legal stuff. Like I ask agents sometimes about the mediation clauses and they go, what? Like they never even read this whole contract. Right. They've been doing the same thing for years, writing contracts the same way, never had a mediation, never had to deal with it. And then one pops up and they're not sure what to do. So it's not cut and dry. If anybody listening has a problem and, and needs advice like that, you can always call me. I, I We give out my phone number. I always answer my phone. And and you might need some good advice on that. So we got to wrap it up. Good advice, Mark. Where, good advice. Where are we at? Mark, we, I, I covered it. You did. You did a great job. And we are now up to our segment with Dr. A. And today we're going to talk about stress during COVID. All right. Very good. Doctor. Hi, guys. Dr. Anderson, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Good. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was uh, uneventful. I was actually up in Boulder. Mm. So uh, oh. so we drove up in Boulder. Talking about the stress and COVID, we did not get on a plane. We drove up to Boulder. We were there for around a week, and then we drove back. Very good. But uh, it's not a lot of fun doing that because it was no. 12 hours up and 14 hours back. So oh, a different type God. of stress. But at least we were healthy. Ugh. All right, we'll get into the topic here, dealing with stress during COVID. We may have to do this in two sections. I, I'm sure we're, we're, I'm sure we're going to. So all right. it's there, there's all kinds of issues going on with it right now because let, let's just talk about what happens with families, okay? Because everybody's in the same space now. Oh yeah, where Tell you have. Where you've got the parents, you've got the kids, you know, in some cases you've got the grandparents, you know, um, and then I I know some people that are fairly well to do. So they have a teacher that they've hired for their kids, uh, you know, so and and everybody's in the same space. And if you've got a 6,000 square foot house, you can hide from each other. But if you're like most people and you have like a 1,500 square foot house or 1,200 to 2,000 square foot house, then you can't hide from anybody. I get you. Um, you That's why I like the convent. Because my son, his 11-year-old daughter, I keep singing to him, thank God for little girls. And he just gives me dirty looks. We're being stuck in a house this long. It's brutal. It is. It's it's tough. Because it, in, in addition to being stuck in the house this long, what happens is you have different roles. You're not, as a parent, you're not used to being a teacher. As as. As, as a son or a daughter, you're not used to having your parents as your teacher. So the roles are craziness, and they're all merged, which cause all kinds of stress you know, and, and concern regarding that. So the issue becomes we're in a different environment. Hopefully it will change when the vaccine comes out, but who knows how much it will change. Uh, but, but we have different stresses. So the issue is how to deal with the stress. Well, if somebody... Let's look at the behavioral styles, the basic behavioral styles that we look at at the DIS, DIS and C. If somebody is a D, what they like to do to relieve stress is to have physical activity. They like to take a walk outside. If, if you're fortunate enough to have any type of athletic equipment, you know, in the house, they like to do that kind of stuff. But they like to be active. Well, so I'm a D, so a I, child, go, I go in the studio and put on the guitar and turn it up. <laughs> there you go. Okay? Because, you know... It, well, that, that's actually a combination of a D and an S because you've gone to your man's cave 
for your case, the man's cave is, is going to your room that you have with, with your guitars and just turning up the music, you know, and escaping from everybody else because nobody else wants to walk in the room music's too loud anyhow. That's okay, right. so, so you've done all these <laughs> wonderful things to control what's going on, um, and, and it works. But if you have somebody who's an S, it's kind of like... I, you know, they might want to have some their own line alone time too, but they want to be with you. They want they want to be supportive of this time. So what you have is a D, okay, who is very decisive, and he decides what they're going to do. Likes a lot of activity, and then you have the S that likes to sit there and put a puzzle together. <laughs> I went through like- that this weekend. I want I, 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 me and I wanted to take a ride to this gorgeous, po- the largest Polish church I think one of them in America that I go to all the time. We went up there. For, I wanted to go out, go to the church, light some candles, stop and have it, go to a diner, and my wife didn't want to go. And then you know what I've also been noticing, Doctor. Now there's four four people living in my household, and. Uh-huh. And I've been noticing all of a sudden everybody's in their own room watching their own shows. It's it's like you know, after since March, it's 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 really getting old. You know, <laughs> it, well, it, it is, but it's it's the way that people are dealing with it now. The unfortunate thing is, for a lot of people are saying it's really not getting old. It is old. It so is what's old. happening is. They're letting they're letting their defenses drop and they're walking around more and they're being more lenient and they're not being as sensitive and they're not washing their hands as much. And for those people who believe in, you know, wearing a mask, you know, they're not wearing the mask as much or they're not keeping the social distance. It's, it's interesting. Go to a gas station. All right, we got, we're going to have this. You got to wrap it up and we'll continue this next week. I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're running That's out of time. Fine. But go to a gas station and just walk from the front door to the to the restrooms. And see which people are willing to allow you to get into their space and which people walk away from you or do or do distancing. And you can just see it right then and there, the interplay of how different people are dealing with it. Yes. All right. It's really easy to get a hold of us. All you have to do is uh, email us at uh, Abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N, at Abelson.net or succeed at Abelson.net or visit us on our website, www.Abelson.net. All right. We'll talk to you next week, Doctor. Thanks, Dr. A. All righty. Take care and be safe, you guys. All right. You you. too. All right. If you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give them a call at 267-266-5501. You can email me at DeanneKatsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. All right, and a special thanks to all of our listeners listening, tuning in every Sunday. People have been calling me. Uh, uh, next week, you got to remind me about that lady that called me up and told me. She said, I thought I sounded like Rocky Balboa. Right. Remind me next week. Uh, here at Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and our faithful sponsors for keeping us on the air, especially Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Uh, so with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All, all positive. All positive. All the time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428.
This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When we make a profit, you see it. Better rates, fewer fees, and we give back to the community all the things that you want from a financial institution. Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. 